Hey, Jamie, I've got a question for you. What do you want, Tom? Who's on the podcast this coming Friday? Oh, is it someone big? Boy. Is uh, it a big one? Shall I bother listening this week? Yeah. If I was going to say uh, take. And I would say off no, your trousers. No, no. Take. Me out. No, take. Paddy McGuinness. No, take. Take on me. Take that. Wow. Have a little patience. But hang on, presumably you've only, you haven't got all three of them, have you? Presumably you've just got one of them. Buddy, we have all three of them on the podcast. They've released a new album. It's coming out. They're going on tour. They talk about the ups, the downs, the lefts, the rights, on everything that happened in Take the That. The ins, the outs. And they reveal it all this Friday. Exclusively. On Private Parts. That's a big one. I'm going to listen to that. 
uh, way. You know, if you talk about the, the celebrity world, right? All these celebrities out there I feel like they have to pause before they reply. Oh, they what, have like cancel culture. Yeah, I, no worries, man. Uh, they have to do all these different things, and I feel that that like being open and honest is actually a really great, authentic way to be. And a lot of people don't do that for some reason. It's yeah, it's oh, that's what I was looking for earlier. Commodity. Uh-huh. The only danger I feel now in our current climate is transparency becoming a commodity because if you then if you have to be transparent i think that gets a bit dangerous because yeah can, also you just put your gold tooth in do, do i not get one nah why not because you got to go to milk and honey and get it fitted shout out milk and honey by the way Where, uh, like, where's where's milk and honey so i think it's hat and gardens but it's just like do they sell milk and honey and and gold teeth there no unfortunately uh, well i mean listen i'm gonna get it yeah yeah <laughs> I'm going to get a whole grill. You know what? If you did get grills, I know for a fact that in Miami, you would be further up the the social hierarchy because apparently if you get grills when you look like you really shouldn't have them, it's not a real win. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What? Sick. I'm going to fly to Miami (laughs) and really fit my mouth out with grills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Not for real. But no, milk and honey are dope. Um, And Mm. the milk and honey is, of course, uh, a metaphor for Funny for no for the the jewelry itself. Oh, I thought it was milk and honey. Funny, isn't that like Cockney slang? Obviously, not. I love it. I love it, Jamie. <laughs> You're just a walking culture clash. I think I'm in love with a singer. Yeah, but I wanna get richer. Life threw me a bag of lemons. No wonder I'm bitter. Do you think people should be more honest and open? Do you, is that what you think? I, well, oh my god! Listen, the, the whole the entire campaign is about speaking openly and honestly. I think that should always be the way. But I do think there needs to be some uh, something around. The option choice. Everyone should always have choice. You know, people. I don't feel as though there should ever be a pressure to to completely open up. I think it, it happens when it needs to happen, and it happens right. Dude, but I totally we, agree we with you on that. People who are in influ- places of influence, though. Yeah. I do think transparency is great in those contexts, as long as it's genuine, because um, genuine and fallible. You know that people can change and adapt. Um, it's just because that's our responsibility as as people of influence. But, but, but what you're saying is very true, is that what you're doing is, I agree that people need to have, they shouldn't be forced to open up, they should have their moment and time to open up, and whatever that moment is, but also what you're creating is a space in order for people to do that. And I think a lot of the time is that people don't open up is because they don't have a space in order to open up and be honest and truthful about themselves. And it's almost about your friends creating that space, you creating that space, or individuals creating that space, or even influencers creating that space so they can see it and actually start talking about it. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's refreshing to see influencers be like that because there's such a fear of appearing like less than. I think that's always been a fear. But then can I play devil's advocate with you? Because, you know, is there a problem where... Uh, God, and i got to step carefully on this situation because I, I, I don't know what I even think. Is there a fear that, you know, with all these different things like trends, right, you talk about becoming vegan or be pescatarian, all these different things, that uh, talking about mental health becomes a bit of a trend and that some people just go, they may feel depressed and anxious and all different things, but they talk about it with such vigorance and such kind of thing when they actually probably don't understand what they are feeling sometimes. Mm. Do you think that's true or no? Yeah, I think there'll always be, there'll always be, like, again, about that's what I talk about com- commodifying something because, you know, we're in Mental Health Awareness Week and there's a lot of genuine work that goes on in the week, but similarly, there'll be an expectation, say, from certain brands or certain um sp- That's spaces. exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It so, becomes so, a market. It becomes a market. Right, so. in the same way as a good friend of mine, Emma Gannon, was talking about her frustration towards being asked as a woman to speak on International Women's Day for free, you know, when it's like, you're, that's almost someone ticking the quota of look we're, we're we're wanting to open up a space for women you know whereas it's like mm, if you actually wanted to do the bits for international women's day you'd make sure that you found some fucking space in your budget to pay the women around you do you know what i mean that's that's yeah, I, I think that's true yeah so so the commodification of of mental health is probably happening and and is whatever but in regards to people as the public picking mm-hmm. up on an increased awareness and maybe not handling it with expertise say i don't think it matters in this context because i think the increase in anxiety and depression and um and the increase in the desire to understand or the desire to do things like yoga or or uh, you know become vegan or whatever um well-being the reason there's been a spike in well-being is because i genuinely believe that we're living in a totally wild time and we underestimate how much of an implication it has on your mind and body 
you know, we, 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 sometimes we talk, when I have these conversations with people, it's like, we forget. If we just take a step out, mm-hmm. of course people are going to be freaking out every day because you are, you've got this other limb with everything on it. Like the entire universe is in your palm mm. and you're looking and it is, it can have the ability to trigger loads of parts of your your being that totally do you know what i'm saying well Whereas yeah all you got to have to do is be connected that's all well there's there's an interesting thing there's two things here because uh firstly um you talk about that why loads of people are feeling this you know that that kids uh you know in the 60s if you had anxiety um or depression or whatever they you would actually be sent to if it was quite extreme you'd be sent to a psychiatric ward mm. and kids at the age of eight at schools have the same level of anxiety that people did in the 60s where they'd be sent to a psychiatric yeah. ward it's crazy yeah. and also in terms of the you know tablet you have in your hand your your instagram and stuff like that we're meant to know uh you know if you have a wedding or you have a big party you probably invite 150, 200 people, max. That's yeah. what you have, right? You won't have this village mentality. And out of that village mentality, you have your USP, your unique selling point. So mm. the fact that you are the best at music or you are the funniest or you're the one who's best in the gym or yeah, you yeah, yeah. are the best at painting, whatever it is, you have your unique thing. Problem with Instagram now is that you go onto Instagram and every single person is funnier than you. Every single person is better in the gym than you. So you then feel that you can't succeed in any way that you want to succeed. So you actually just wake up every single day, well, that person's better than me so in fact now because we're connected to everyone which i think in some ways is a good thing that we're connected but because we're so connected we actually don't feel like we can succeed in the areas that i think i think that that's why why i think the mental health conversation is so important because i think actually if you do approach that world consciously it can lead to a greater sense of harmony if you're if you make consciously healthy decisions in this in the internet space that can be great. So, for example, if I've woken up every day and I've seen this and I ah ah ah, and it's like pain and pain, and it's like shifting my mind, then we have it within our power to go. I'm not going to follow that for a little bit, mm-hmm. or I'm just going to keep my circle of my friends and I'm going to see what they're doing, or I'm going to go on whole Instagram and see what steps I can take to improve my day, or I'm going to eat better because actually, if I'm eating better, I'm not so stressed out by what I see. Sometimes if I eat and sleep better, I don't even have my phone by my bed because I can mm-hmm. get up at the right time. Some people just need to buy an alarm clock. Yeah, I, I, I Some I, people just need to literally buy an alarm clock so that they're not woken up by their phone and then instantly met at their most vulnerable. When you wake up, you're at your most, you've just come out of like the most transcendent experience you can have soberly in, in you know, in of dreaming, you know, whether you remember it or not, and then you're going bang. I wake up every morning and look straight at my phone. Yeah. I don't know why I do that, but I do it, man, because I'm literally, I, it's that fear of that I've missed something or forgotten something or I'm not connected to someone or that I need to see what everyone else is doing. And I've. You took tr- like an hour. Oh, mate, are you, and I know, and I, but the problem with that I have, I have, a, I, I have a lot of different problems, but one of my problems is that I can't. I find it very hard to commit to things. So I try to give up dark coke, okay? And I gave up dark coke for like three months and then I started drinking it again. Why? No reason. I just gave up. I just gave up. Same with like things like I started meditating for a bit and then I, it w- was great and I liked it, then gave it up. So I said to myself, right, I'm going to read before I go to bed, not look at my phone. Did that for a bit, then gave it up. And then in the morning, it's not going to look at my phone, but then I did that for a bit, gave it up. And for me, I'm very good in some ways, but I'm very, very bad at disciplining myself in other ways. And my discipline becomes super hard. And I think as humans, we are very bad at disciplining ourselves because we want everything. We want to do everything. We want to do the entire time. So it's discipline is the most important thing. And we spoke up before about boundaries and all those different things and you've got to set yourself boundaries and if we don't set ourselves boundaries then it becomes a huge issue I think yeah I think so um, I'm so like trying to hold myself back from giving you some like pseudo-therapy from dude give me that therapy man no, tell me know. I don't know I'm not qualified yeah, well, okay, but, uh, is anyone qualified well yeah people definitely are people qualified have <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've people. studied for a while <laughs> but listen you've studied life go on tell me I, it's good to have this stuff well no I think I think it, what interests me about you saying that is why why it matters that you stopped uh, why does it matter that? I, well, for me, you're saying you you have intense periods of interest and then they dissipate. Uh, it's not intense periods of in. Maybe it does. Yeah, maybe I do have intense periods of um interest, but no, I don't because I I'm persistent with things. My issue is I want to stop smoking at the moment. Right, I can't do it. I, I, when it's I when not I a great start. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's terrible. But you know, when I when I, I don't smoke, but then when I'm around in social situation, I'll smoke. Why? No reason. I just do it. Why do you, why don't you want to smoke? 
uh, health benefits, uh, mainly health benefits, really. Yeah, yeah, because you, yeah, you want to treat your body. You want to treat your body well, right? You're, you're 30 years old now. I don't want to be smoking, you know, and just putting all that tar into my system. And I kind of want to do it for health benefits. And also because I kept saying to myself I would stop, but I find it tricky to stop sometimes. Because you're addicted to nicotine. Well, I don't think it's the addiction. I don't, I, weirdly, I, I feel ha- like it might be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I can go two weeks without doing it and I feel fine. And also, it doesn't actually even make me feel good. So what is it? What is it? It's, I still can't put my finger in it. I have, I I think I do have an addictive personality, but I can also stop things quite easily. And I'm quite balanced in some areas. But with the cigarettes, but cigarettes is such a minor thing. It's just, it's just, with cigarettes, I don't know why I continue to smoke them. There is no reason. It doesn't benefit me in any way. It doesn't make me feel better. It doesn't help me in any situation, but I just do it because it's such like a, thing that I turn to in social situations. Yeah, I'm going to have a cigarette. Why not? And so I'm so used to it that I need to rewire my brain in order to not do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm figuring. It's slightly tricky at the moment. It's repetition, really, isn't it? Complete repetition, right? I, I uh, Yeah, I have my own struggles with that, you know, because I've given up pretty much all of my vices. And yeah. I don't mind the idea of... Sometimes I feel like when I smoke cigarettes, I'm, I find it easier to write, which is... Do you feel more relaxed and things like that? I'm not sure about relaxed. If anything, I think it... <laughs> gets you a bit more like yeah it gets you hyped up because that nicotine thin, you get that yeah. nicotine thing right I don't know but I, I do know that there are ways in which to go about but can I can I, can I ask you a question when it comes to you know sort of substances and stuff like that and you know and whatever it is like cigarettes alcohol and stuff like that you giving up do you do you do you miss it or do you not miss it um I, you know what I thought I'd miss alcohol more now I think I really struggled for the first like six seven months but it's more I don't necessarily miss the alcohol. I miss uh, the loss of self and the social freedoms, you know, because ultimately drinking would make social situations easier at times. Sure. And there was an anxiety that was I just have to live with, you know, that would be very present without, you know, something to calm it. And um, it's, it's, an, it's a great excuse. Alcohol's a, an amazing excuse. You know, oh, I didn't mean to say that. I was drunk or, oh, I didn't, you know, there's no... So now I just, like, have been living a life with, like, I, I pretty much have no excuses for my behaviour. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's totally true, right? Uh, and that, But also, do you... Um, but I don't miss it so much now. I actually... I've, 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 I, I quite like waking up in the morning and feeling And feeling, fresh. feeling better. Do you, do, you, do, you, um, do you find social situations sometimes tricky because you don't drink? Yeah, yeah, all the time. I don't go out as much as I... I don't go out as much as I did at all. Yeah. And sometimes that's sad. Um, that would be my hard thing that I definitely... Well, summer's going to be particularly hard, I think. I haven't had a summer... S- oh, I have had a sober summer. Yeah. It's hard, though, because I definitely use alcohol as a crutch for social situations, for sure. And I have for a while. I and think you just... You find other ways of enjoying yourself. It's tough, though. But um, on on you, mm-hmm. importantly, uh, I have to begin this by asking how you are genuinely... Yeah, dude. I, you know what? I, I feel good at the moment. I feel actually, weirdly, really good at the moment. Uh, I mean, I've had ups and downs for throughout my twenties for sure. Um, through lots of different things. How uh, old are you now? Thirty. Really? Yeah, thirty. You feel good. Uh, yeah, I feel, I feel good. I feel good. I mean, I went through it, but I, I'm single now. I broke up with my girlfriend about a month and a half ago. Whoa, that's really recent. Yeah, really recent. But I. How long were you with her? A year. But I, but I came out of a two and a half year relationship just before that. So I was oh. in a two and a half year relationship, which was really quite toxic. Uh, had a three, four month break and I just feared being lonely. And so then I went straight back into another relationship straight after that. And that lasted a year. And uh, mate, she was epic. She is epic. And we had a freaking cool relationship in lots of different ways. But I was internally just not present or happy with myself mm. um and that reflects on so many different things and so i couldn't be in a relationship until i figured out myself and so now i sort of came out of that and actually had to figure out that i'm i can be alone and all those different things and that's okay and figuring myself out and all those different things and so it's kind of quite an exciting sort of journey to go down that i don't have to also i mean dude i would be in relationships where huh, where like i would find a girlfriend who uh would need me which is a really bad thing to be. Uh, they would need me for something, whether it was uh, security or whatever it was, yeah. you know, uh, or emotionally. And that is not a healthy relationship at all. And all my, I don't think it's too bad to be needed. Uh, say again. Sorry. I don't think it's too. I think 
it's you can healthily need someone in order for that. To yeah, work. but it wasn't healthily. Oh, right, it yeah. really wasn't. It was so like a lot. It was codependent. Yeah. Okay. And and that was definitely my fault because I would go freaking afterburners on. Here we go. God, I love you. Here, oh my God, I need you. Uh, that and then suddenly. And they play it cool at the beginning. Okay, I don't know. And then suddenly I go, wait, wait, wait a second. What are you doing? They go, well, you love me. What is happening here? And I would be very confusing. And it was totally my fault. And uh, I feel a lot of guilt for a lot of things I did. But uh, uh, that was a long-winded way of saying I feel all right at the moment. <laughs> I feel okay at the would moment. Would you say it's like, would, is this your best period of, men of mental well-being? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say, I would say for the past... Nine years, I'd say it's, it's good at the moment. But then I don't want to jinx it. You felt, sorry, you felt good for the past nine years. No, 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 no. I, I didn't feel <laughs> great for the past nine oh, years. Oh, sorry. So out of that. Yeah. And I can go into that if you, if you, if you well, want. Well, yeah. Way. I mean, I was, I was, would, I was going to ask what would, well, what would be your, what's your, been your worst period of mental well-being? And, and kind of, was that also the first point at which you were made aware of what mental health was anyway? Or, or were you not aware at all? Or? Well, dude, so, I, so, uh, you know, I'm 30 now. So when I, I basically, um, so I had a lot of, a lot of things. So I, I grew up in a very privileged, like, house. You know, I was sent to boarding school on nice holidays. Blah, blah, blah. When I was eight years old, my parents divorced. And we lived in a huge house in the countryside. You know, swimming pool, tennis court, all these different things. It was super fun. And it was amazing. Had my brothers and sisters all there. And my dad divorced my mum, his second marriage. And my mu and I was that happened, which was pretty traumatic for me. Without realizing, it was pretty sad. Because I always had this fear of them divorcing for some reason. Don't know why. Yeah, I was so scared of it. And then I was sent to boarding school at the age of eight years old, Summerfields, and I wasn't told the concept of boarding school. So I arrived there, and then my mum didn't pick me up at the end of the day, and I was like, "Hang what? on a second, I'm sleeping here," and I wasn't able to call my parents for two weeks. What? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's it's actually fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's traumatic. It's traumatic. My, I had a nanny for eight years who used to look after me called Julie. She left. Um, and then we moved to London. So we moved from the countryside, a big open house, you know, to London. I remember getting to this house in London, just off Kensington High Street. And there was a building, there were, you know, these these houses there. And I said, oh, God, it looked it. It's quite small. <laughs> and my mum said, my, yeah, and my mum said, well, you're going to be upset. It's only one of those. I didn't realize it was a townhouse. I thought the whole thing was our house because I come from a big country house. Oh my god! So I didn't. So it was pretty traumatic all that time. The dreams now of anyone owning a townhouse <laughs> in High Street, like right, fucking yeah, hell. fucking hell, exactly, man. You're super, Mate. super privileged, right? So anyway, then all the you know, and I could go into all these different things, and it's it's not like a thing. But anyway, what happened was is I, I I I got to 22 years old, and I joined this TV show. Uh, called Made in Chelsea, which is a reality show and things like that. And it was, you know, and if if people listening haven't seen it, it's, a, it's basically a TV show about posh kids. That was pretty much it. Yeah. And I I did it for lots of reasons. Um, did it for loads of reasons. But the problem is that I came from a, a place which was there wasn't that much security in terms of like emotional things and stuff like that. And then I went into a TV show which had no security at all. And so at the age of 23, after my first series, I suddenly started having panic attacks. Mm. And I remember it so vividly. I was watching The Voice on TV and he started talking about bronchitis. And I was like, okay. And I feel, I feel a bit weird. So it was like a trigger in me. And, you know, I was partying pretty hard. I was having, you know, I was drinking a hell of a lot. Mm. And I had this panic attack. And I took myself to hospital because it felt like I was falling. I thought I was dying. Mm. And the hospital said, you're having a panic attack. And I said, no, I'm not having a panic attack. What you're is a panic attack? I'm having a heart attack. I'm having a heart attack. And no one could explain to me what was happening. And so for the next six months, I'm the really outgoing. I can chat to him. I couldn't leave the house. Uh, I had to go and do this TV show, pretend everything was okay. I remember standing in the shower one day. And and I said, God, and I went, what's wrong with me out loud? And I said it out loud. I started crying because it came in reality. Yeah. And it was horrendous. And I didn't tell anyone. And I masked it with alcohol and I masked it with everything. And this kind of whole process went on until I was about 27. And it was in and out. It was in and out, right? So there'd be periods of me feeling super anxious yeah. and, and super upset and super things. And it was all mainly anxiety. And then I would come out of it and I had periods of being okay. And then it would go back into all these different things. And when I was 27 years old, I, uh, or tw I think I was 26, yeah, 26, 27. I was sitting in a restaurant with my buddy and uh, everything was, it was all a bit hectic and all these kind of things and, and just whatever. And 
suddenly it was like a fog went over my eyes and I was like what is this and the fog didn't disappear and the only way I can describe it is like I was dreaming it's like I was in a dream state so went to and I wasn't seeing a therapist never saw a therapist just trying to deal with it by myself and I finally went to a therapist didn't tell anyone again just kept it all completely quiet yeah. went to a therapist and said to the therapist I'm just don't know what's going on I just see a fog every time a single time I wake up or just I'm walking around. He so he sent me to a psychotherapist, and the psychotherapist said I had so you have something called depersonalization. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. derealization. Or yeah, yeah, derealization, depersonalization. That's really intense anxiety. It's, it's, it's so basically what he said to me is he said, oh, said I said what's that? And he said, well, you get it if you've had PTSD, mm. uh, bad depression, bad anxiety, bad different things, and it's basically your body's gone on autopilot to protect you, and it puts a shield over you, so you basically feel like you're in a dream state. I had that for six months. And the problem was he said all those things. And then at the end, he said, you can get it from all those different things. And you can also get it from psychosis. So I, being me and being a sort of catastrophizer where I just worry, I said, well, I've got psychosis. That's it. So I convinced myself I was going mad. I was like, well, I'm going mad. That's it. 100% I've gone mad. And I had that for six months. Didn't want to wake up in the morning because I'd open my eyes and it'd be this fog. It was terrible. And I had to live with this whole situation without telling anyone again. this fog, like... I can, the only way I can describe it, have you ever been, have you ever had those times where you're so hungover that you're like, oh my God, I don't even know where I fucking am. So you, don't, so you mean more like a figurative, fo- like... F- uh, it was a, fi- it was basically, li- it was a figurative, it was like... A, it like was, you're just zombified. I'm zombified. The fact, you know, so we're chatting now, right? Mm. And we're just having, a fr- you're having a free chat and we're just doing whatever. If I was talking to you back then, I would have to think about my next word. Yeah. So I'd have to think about, I'm going to say the, I'm going to say you. Uh, oh, and, I, wow. and so, and being on a reality show where I was seen as the guy who was super charismatic, fun, entertaining, all those kind of things, I had to try and live up to this person the entire time because suddenly this person had gone for the moment. Yeah. And it was horrendous. But then I went to therapy for like two, and I think for anyone, right? It doesn't matter if you're anxious, depressed, or whatever. I think therapy, it just in general, is amazing. It's power, right? Having that self-awareness. Mm. And I went to therapy, and I did it for three, four years. St- I just stopped it, actually. I don't know why I stopped. I just did. But um, went three, four years, and just basically figured out myself. And I think what happened was, is that we spoke at this before, that we live in this life where instant relief if you want to get drunk, you take a drink. If you want to get high, you take a pill. If you want to be entertained, you watch YouTube, right? So I was like, well, where's my quick fix? Where is it? And my therapist was like, there's no quick fix. Yeah. You have to go and solve you first. And I realized that mine was all down to this abandonment and of course. all these different things. But dude, it was intense, Mate, man. Boarding school sounds, I can't, that's next level. Oh, dude, yeah, just, I mean, I think the educational system as well, man. I, I, I heard, like, I think... And sorry, I rambled, John. I apologize. It's good, mate. No, it's good stuff. I'm sorry, man. I do ramble a lot. But the I think the educational system is flawed because Yeah, of course. Sorry, can I just apologize for my snoring dog? Can you can you hear that? Yeah. Yeah, but it's badass, man. We love that. Yeah, sorry, Spike's just snoring. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Spike, you want to just quiet down a bit? <laughs> All right, sorry, carry on. But I the think educational system. I think the educational system is flawed because I think uh, people don't focus on creativity as much. And I think that if you're failing at math, science, and history, you're seen as a failure. And I was lucky enough because I was good at sport. But then when I was 18 and I wanted to be a rugby player and I damaged my knee and I didn't have a sport anymore, I was then seen as a failure because I wasn't good at work. And I listened to this Very guy. competitive. Isn't it? So competitive, man. I listened to this guy the other day, a guy called Ken. Robinson or something like that, who spoke about creativity and he told me this amazing story or told this to the to this crowd. He said his uh his wife was a baller or is a ballerina and uh she was an incredible ballerina, but at school she was failing everything. And the headmaster brought in um brought in their her parents to kind of talk to her about how she was failing. And they sat her in the room and they said, Look, your your daughter's not doing very well. They went, Okay, and she said she's failing everything. They went, Okay, and he said, Can you come with me? So they took the parents outside the room. And as they did, he pressed play on a music machine, shut the door and said, watch this. And they looked into the window and his daughter, their daughter started dancing. 
said, your daughter's not sick. She's not a failure. She's a dancer. Send mm. her to dancing school. And he says, he sent her to dancing school. She was a ballerina her entire life. She wrote plays with Lloyd Webber. Now she's wow. a millionaire. And one teacher would have said she's sick and a failure. Another teacher said, no, she's going to go to dancing yeah, school. I love and that. it's amazing. And it's the fact that, you know, creativity is so important. And for me, like, I just feel that like I wasn't, you know, there's so many kids out there, man, that are so hugely talented yeah. in so many freaking ways. And they're not giving... I went to a boarding school, so I was mothered and I yeah. was spoon fed. And thank God that can happen. If I was in, you know, the state school system or things like that, there's, I would have just died. I would have. There's no way I would have had anything. And I was super fortunate in that way. Yeah, I mean, I found school. Yeah, I didn't like it. You didn't like it, but you're you're super smart, right? And you're super creative. Uh, so I think, like, I I think intelligence is like. Uh, I don't even know how you would. I, mean, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily measured. I, just that purely academically, do you know what I mean? I think, but it is growing up. There's though, right? like a social intelligence, there's an emotional intelligence, there's an academic intelligence, there's um, a sporting intelligence. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you think about the amount of mathematical calculations that have to go through like a baseball or cricket player's mind before they strike a ball or throw a ball, that's that's genius in my mind. A footballer, sure. The fact that they you know set up a free kick and they're like aiming the trajectory of a ball overall you know what I mean it's not I think we underestimate how, how much skill is involved in that I think for me I think I'm quite apt I learn things quite quickly and I think I'm, I'm I think I'm probably I pick up on things quite quickly I mm -hmm. think uh, but I don't know mate I, I, all I know is that I'm, I worked really hard in school outside of school I didn't really but in what in terms of studying and no nah, I just like, did what I wanted I, whatever I was passionate about I'd do after school and I'd do it a lot and yeah. you know and, I, and it was to the point where I, I used to just enter competitions after competition. I just would, I, I anything that didn't have a kind of expectation or pressure on it, I would do, and I'd probably do it really well. But did that drive that you had and that passion, that desire, where does that come from? Where did that kind of like desire um, to go, right, I'm going to go and do this, put myself out there and be vulnerable in front of these people? I just think that like, well, no, I just think in terms of my drive, I think just my, my mum's a, a rebel, you know, she like, I grew up on marches and, Really? Fighting the government and fighting the system. So I just think, you know, I remember my mom said to me so, and I was so much younger, she was like, she said something like, um, you know, Jordan, if someone tells you to do something, it doesn't mean you have to do it. You always have a choice. So, you know, like fast forward and she'd be like, do the dishes. And I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but, but, but more, but good more. advice. Well, yeah, I think, you know, for there's always ups and downs of these things, but in terms of drive and ambition, I think from an early age, I was definitely, my mum definitely w would have, I, I've always been, I asked a lot of questions as a kid. I was one of those kids who would just, I, like sometimes wildly inappropriate questions. I would just ask, I'd just go up and ask someone exactly what I wanted to ask them. And I think my mum did a good job of, she's quite liberal in her parenting, so she encouraged that rather than, you know, there's a different type of parent sure. parenting, which is more regimented, maybe which is like, don't speak to strangers or don't, ask questions when you're not you know that kind of thing when my mum was like you know do your thing but dude, um, it's interesting you talk about that authority because uh, they did a test and i can't remember what they actually made a movie about it they did a test where um they got they put people in pairs and they said right this is your partner this is who it is uh we're going to take you to a different room your partner's going to sit in one room there's going to be a wall between you you're in the other room uh -huh. and they said that the partner in the other room is connected to electrical wire that you have control over uh, over every single time you get a question wrong you have to turn the electricity up and they went, okay, fine. And this person in a jacket, he said to them, he said, right, okay, here we go. Here's your first question. They get it wrong. They go, right, turn up the electricity. So turn it up. And you'd hear screams coming from the next yeah. door room. And the person in the room say, are they okay? Are they all right? He go, yeah, they're fine. Just, you know, keep going. And they keep getting questions wrong because they're impossible. They kept turning up to the point where the electricity would be killing. And then the scream stopped. There's no more screams. And there's a point that you would go to the lengths and they came in, it was completely fake. The person tied up was never tied up, yeah. all those things. But there's a point that as someone in authority, you would go to the depths of murdering someone if someone told you it was okay to do it. And you that you are set apart from all those things because actually you've never followed in their footsteps. Ninety nine percent of people in, in this world actually are are sheep and they follow the shepherd. They all do, right? And they go to these things and they follow. But mm. you're that one percent who actually doesn't you actually question it. Well, I think everyone has the capacity to it. It's, it's actually sure, school, everyone does. School, school is one of the, school is, a, is yeah, it's pretty much that time you walk into a machine and they go, right, we're going to try and kick that rebel out of you. Um, Dude, it's crazy. And also school, this is the point, you know, Mozart said it so well, is that 
uh, everyone's born creative, but life drives creativity out of you, and that it, that's what happens, it man. Totally. And and fucking, this is why the system is so annoying. Is that you? We get all this stuff driven out of us throughout life, and so many people could be so badass. I think so. it will change, though. Do you think so? I think it has to because it's 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 outdated. Like the, the, without getting too catastrophic, we are existing in a time where technology is advancing rapidly, quickly, sure. right? So. If we, if we, I mean, at the someone, I heard this, I can't remember what I heard it on the other day, but it was such an incredible point. I think it was on an interview on YouTube or something, but someone was saying like, oh, it's a comedian, Michael Shea, that's it, he's a great guy. And he made a joke saying like, I can't imagine what it'd be like to do maths in school now with an iPhone in your pocket. The most annoying thing in the world to know that all these fucking questions, you can just pick up a phone and just answer yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. instantly. Not even type it in, just go, hey Siri, what's this? Like, and it's done. <laughs> yeah, like, it's someone's so telling true. you, you gotta do it. So I think we're moving into an age where the soul of the, the, the human spirit, the, the you know, the, the actual purpose of existence is no longer gonna be in the accumulation of knowledge because we're, we're, we're creating things that will be infinitely more capable than we are, which, which I think is pushing us towards true humanity in my belief, which is, connection to another person, creativity, things that are fluid and aren't rigid. Like fluidity is basically what makes a, a living thing living because it's not an algorithm. Dude, I totally agree with you. With the thing of AI coming in, right? So AI is going to come in and they, of course there's all this different stuff, but creativity is going to be fundamentally the main thing that people are, are going to be able to Dude. do and stuff like that. And, and it's so true. You know, there's this really scary thing they think that if AI comes in, right, and, and takes over, Humans are just going to be paid a salary by the government just to be a human. And you'll go back to like caveman styles where you'll just reproduce. Yeah, and you'll, probably. You'll just be a human. And that's it. Yeah, sounds fun, doesn't it? <laughs> sounds epic, man. Um, <laughs> uh, do you feel comfortable talking about your mental health publicly? You're quite open. Uh, yeah, I do now. I do now. Um, because be be before, man, no one... Well, they probably did, but no one told me what it was like i mate dude i had anxiety and panic attacks like i said and all these different things and no one else was experiencing this and i remember saying to people do you i remember saying to my friends like do you ever feel like um a bit panicky and a bit scared but uh not really and i wouldn't and they'd go no i feel good and i'd be like oh okay really yeah I, and so no one's really scary it's really scary man. and and when no one else relates to it it's pretty horrible and then, like, then I started getting tinnitus, and that was really bad. And so no one else was experiencing tinnitus and all this different stuff. And so I kind of just had to deal with it myself. But now there's two things here. I didn't talk about it because, firstly, it was my own experience, and I dealt with it my own way. And I think that a lot of people are very quick to just talk about it and go, oh, my God, this is how I felt. You know, this is my experience and stuff like that. And I don't know if always that makes it so... Uh, you know, I went to some pretty dark times and, you know, just saying that doesn't really make a difference. So I, I didn't feel the need to say it as much. However, I think that like, it's important to I do. Would I, you do that now? A hundred percent. But also, weirdly enough, I'm, I'm quite a private person, even though I do a reality show. I, I'm still pretty private with lots of things. Um, I'm very open, uh, which is a good thing, thank God, because if I was an eternal person, I would be in a real deep bit of trouble but also i think i had to get to a stage where i really understood myself i had understood what i was feeling and uh made a change of it because otherwise i'd be preaching without really knowing the answer to the equation that i was experiencing so i really had to figure everything out and i think now having turned 30 i really understand myself and other people and i'm pretty self-aware and so now I can talk about it because I can explain this to different situations. And the problem is, is that so many people talk about what they're feeling, but then they don't give a solution to it. So well, I mean, feelings especially aren't, yeah. aren't, but they're not, I don't think they're necessarily solution based. I mean, there's solutions, sure. there, there's suggestions of how to improve things in the future. But I think that's a, a bit of a solution, right? What would you say to someone who, because I think derealization, something I, I haven't experienced myself, oh, but man, I, I, it someone, sucks. people close to me. Sounds utterly terrifying. It was horrible. So what would you say to someone who is struggling with derealization? Oh, so derealization and depersonalization is a similar thing. Um, firstly, the biggest thing that happens when you experience something like that is you think you're going mad. Mm. So you, you think you're insane. And the problem is when you think you're going insane, it's a pretty scary thing because you think your life is over. And then what you do is you catastrophize your life. So you say, I'm going insane. This is going to happen forever. 
uh, it's never going to pass. Mm. I'm going to end up doing something stupid. But and you go down this whole horrible road of of uh, experience. Thing with depersonalization, derealization. First and foremost, 100% it gets better, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Without a doubt, it gets better. Uh, the second thing is is that uh, so many people on this planet are experiencing the same thing as you, and worse. You're not the worst. There's no way you're the worst. There are other mm. people worse than you. And uh, the other stuff is that uh, it's like a cloudy day, right? Uh, you're having a very cloudy day. There's clouds in the sky, but there's blue sky, uh, blue sky above that. It's just about finding a way of getting through those clouds to that blue sky. Yeah. And there is that pathway to do it. Um, you need to uh, start talking to people, start being honest, uh, start opening up about yourself, start getting some sort of therapy, whether that's with your own family. Uh, there's know, a lot of information as well as books. All those different stuff. It's start talking to people, start books, opening podcasts, up podcasts. Podcasts. And do you know what the yeah, do you know what the biggest thing for me that changed my life? was exercise yeah and god i say that with i mean with my sister struggles a lot of time with different times she's an actress and she struggles with like confidence issues and stuff like that and i say to her get up in the morning and run and run yeah you know there's tyson fury who i listened to his podcast with joe rogan and he went through a really dark time yeah a really horrible time and he just said he woke up one day and started running and it was like, oh, God, I feel better. And it's a slow process. But I promise you now, exercise. Have an ex- Not where you go to the gym, you lift a couple of weights, and you read the newspaper, and you go to steam. Go and sweat. Yeah. Go for it. Doesn't matter if you're running, playing tennis, squash, whatever it is. Go and sweat. 45 minutes, three times a week. Yeah. Promise you'll start to feel better because yeah. your body starts to get rid of the toxins. Don't drink, stop caffeine, those kind of stuff, and just let your body reset. You're mm. told this thing where we're all pint glasses, right? We're all pint glasses, and we've got holes in the pint glass. Some, have, some people have big holes, some people have small holes. But toxins, life throws toxins at you, so you put toxins into drugs, alcohol, love, relationships, blah, 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 all these different things, and you start to, your pint glass starts to go up. People with small holes, your pint glass overflows pretty quickly. With big holes, it takes longer. But at some point, if you don't deal with these situations, your pint glass will overflow. And it's just your pint glass right now has overflowed. You just need Wait, to settle it back what down. What are the holes in that analogy? Well, I just think, I don't know. Are the holes ho- confidence? <laughs> I don't I think the um, holes are... The holes are these things that, you know, so... Is a hole outlets? It's outlets. So for me, right, I have small holes in my pint glass because... I love this analogy. Yeah, this analogy is... Yeah, you have small holes in your pint glass. <laughs> yeah, because... Well, because I'm innately quite insecure. Uh, is that a hole? It, well, that's, that means that my holes are smaller. So if you're not that insecure, you have big holes so you can allow those toxins out. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, hold on, hold on. Do you on. see what I mean with this? So is this actually a... a like... Is it by the laws of physics? Is this actually a sound analogy? Because I, I feel like not by the laws of physics, but like if you see it as an analogy, just in life, right? You know, everyone's different in their own sort of ways. You know, you get some people who are scared of the dark, and some people who actually like the dark. But right? what I can't establish is how you would lose water any faster with a bigger sized hole than if it was a little sized hole. If anything, wouldn't it be more beneficial to have smaller holes? No, because you have the same amount of holes. You just have one summer bigger and some... So on but one if you had glass, one massive hole, you'd just constantly be losing... Yeah, well, then you'd be all right. So your pint glass never overflows. So you'd be fine. So you, so you want so a massive hole in your pint glass. Yeah, you want... So basically with you, right? right. So whereas before, you now, you talked to about clarity. And Does stuff. that include the top of the pint glass? <laughs> yeah, the pop, if it goes <laughs> over the pint glass, then right, you're, right, then you're freaking out. But with you, right, you were talking about this like self-awareness you have now, right? And you well, understand. I'm trying. You're trying, right? But you, you now are good at letting things go. I'm better than I was, yeah. Yeah, so with me, what I had to figure out is that I was found lots of things. I, I couldn't let go of stuff. I was worried that my friends wouldn't like me a lot of the time. Yeah, I was wor- it sucks. It's, I was worried about being abandoned all the time. I was worried about all these different things. And so all of these issues uh, like, like meant that I was just bubbling it's just over. It's fear, mate. It's just fear, exactly. And life is scary, man. Yeah, I think we've got to find a way of just like l- of visiting that fear, actualizing it. Yeah, what is your, but what is your mentally your biggest fear? I'd say my biggest fear is not loving, not, not centering love in my experience. I'd say because, but but why are you worried about? Because okay, did, you know we've we've sort of seen each other over the years, right? Mm-hmm. And you've been always super friendly, always super yeah. nice. And I would, I would totally not get from you that you you're not a loving person at all. Yeah, but I think that is another interesting thing. I feel like love is is there are are 
there are forms of love that we identify with morally and there are also really difficult parts of love which we don't really talk about so much so for example acceptance of rejection is a form of love i get you so like so if i was so or so you know if you had a boundary and the, the the and the 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 Oh God! The conflict was: I'm either, I'm going to disappoint someone, and 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 there's going to be a possibility that they'll abandon me in whatever context. Versus me being true to what I need in a moment and having trust in my own experience, and then allowance for that experience to be out of my control. That's a dream scenario because then you can get it, go into the world and you just surrender to those realities. If so, you love someone profoundly, and in that moment they decide they want to abandon you, you will the 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 love that you can place in your own experience or in my own experience would be able to protect me do you know what i mean yeah yeah so even so you can go around being friendly but listen there's a load of people who are friendly are fucking dickheads like no i totally agree <laughs> with you. i totally and I agree and with you know what at that time especially when i was my 2023 20, i was you know i was in relationships where i was i was acting up and i wasn't being loving in a in the i think in a true in a true soulful way sacrificial yeah. kind of like compassionate way i'm always going to be friendly because that's just how i believe life should be but you know, you mean? Did you truly mean that? Is that what you're trying to get to? No, no. I just I think that like I am a. There are some people who aren't as bubbly as me, but who knows if they're as loving as me? Because you only really know how loving someone is after a, an extended period of time. I'd say. Then can I ask you another question? What is the what is the biggest uh, biggest lesson or biggest thing that you you had to teach yourself? Um. I've just got to stop being so hard on myself, really. Still really? doing it now. Yeah. What about you? What's your biggest fear? Uh, my biggest fear, uh, biggest fear, got two, I think. But one of, because of this depersonation, my biggest fear w- is is insanity. It really freaks me out. Yeah, dude, free, really, because I was really quite scary for a bit. And also, I think that my my sort of USP is the fact that I can be, you know, engaging in quite charismatic things like that and losing my mind would be really quite horrible. But also, my, one of my biggest fears is um, uh, being in a relationship with the wrong person. Yeah. Ah, oh, man, I just think that marrying the wrong person or being in a relationship with the wrong person and, you know, I come from a divorced family and I really think that... I went to this wedding the other day, dude. One of my best friends in the world went to Brazil and he gave this speech. It was on a beach and his wife was there and it was incredible. And he said when he met his girlfriend he went over to her house to watch one of her movies she made she makes short movies and they sat there and her dad first time met her dad her dad and there's a part in the movie where it paused and it said what is the meaning of life and she turned to her dad and said papa what is the meaning of life and he said daughter the meaning of life is to love and my friend his name's cozy said and when he said at this moment i've realized that is for me the meaning of life just to love mm. And that is whatever form that is, it's love. And I'm really worried. And for me, I really want to be loved massively. That's why I want people to love me. But also, mm-hmm. I really want to love someone. And so to be in a relationship with someone where there isn't the love there and it messes up or something goes wrong terrifies me. You Yeah, but I mean, it, yeah. I think you just have to focus on how much love you're you're wanting to give out. Sure, man. If you're scared of not getting it back, that's gonna be tough, isn't it? Oh, but dude, I had this. I don't know. I had this. I had that problem though. I don't know why. It freaks me out that I don't. We could. We we. You know what? We could go for hours. I actually. I think. uh, Listen. I mean, let us know, listeners, if you want a part two of Jamie Lang because we have been cut short based off of just surreal circumstances. I don't know why I said surreal then. That makes it sound like <laughs> there was some kind There's of- There's some other world that we're about yeah, to Yeah, literally to. aliens were doing a voiceover here before and we just, we had to let them do their thing because you know, Tesla were, Tesla were <laughs> a lot of science. But um, I'm, quick fire questions to leave it. Okay. Though, before we do get into the depths of why you're terrified of love. Uh, what's your favorite color? Uh, turquoise. I love that, that's my favorite color. Yeah, Did you say yeah. that because I said that earlier? No, I ha- oh, I didn't have one to tell you. Turquoise, 100% my favorite. Why? Uh, because uh, it's it's like um, Navajo Indians used to love turquoise. I love Navajo Indians. Uh, yeah, I yeah. love the way it looks. I think that it uh, looks good. On Navajo the is in Native Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Turquoise just, is, a, is a wonderful color. And also, uh, turquoise, um, what is it? It's the mother of, uh, what is it? The color, it's the mother of something. And I had a really strong mum, like you did. Uh-huh. And I really respect. It's like, also, do you know what I realize why I love turquoise is because it's the, the color of the sky meeting the grass. Oh, yeah, I like that. Or like a sky, or like a sky. lagoon. Yeah, I quite like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or a lagoon. Or a lagoon. Or yeah. I don't know what. 
<laughs> Holiday to Cyprus. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what's your favorite shape? Uh, kind of like a triangle. Nice. Why? I don't know because you have two points, but they connect at the other point. So that's what Alt J said. Who said that? Alt J. Really? The band Alt J. I didn't. I didn't. I don't you know, know Alt J. No, I don't know. You don't know who Alt J are? Triangles no. are my favorite shape. Three points where two lines meet. Still don't know it. <laughs> Tessellate? <laughs> no. Well, we, we haven't we haven't actually got onto any questions about music, which was a plan because that's a big part of the. But I will tell you now, my gift to you, Jamie Lang, is to go and listen to Tessellate by Alt J. Yeah, is it? Yeah, okay. I mean, their name is a triangle. Really? If you press Alt J on a keyboard, it becomes a triangle. Does it? Yeah, dude. Have I just blown your mind? You freaking blow my mind. Okay, man. quickly. What one artist has saved you emotionally and mentally in your life? Uh, one doesn't have to be your favorite. Uh, Bob Marley. I mean, I've, why do I feel that that's like awfully cliche? Is it? Is it? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe because because I I just want to love Bob Marley. <laughs> I love that. Okay, wicked. Um, and if you have an hour to yourself, what will you do? Uh, A whole hour just to be in touch with yourself. And I can't speak to anyone else? No, I've uh, decided. Okay. You I, can if you want. I'd probably call my friends. Really? Yeah. Your friends, plural? Yeah, I'd call friends, yeah. I just, what, I, like I, a conference call? No, I just... One after the other? Because I, I, I work so much. Okay, I, you're not allowed to be on your phone. Uh, okay, I would... Um, no, I actually do like that, isn't it? He's allowed to call his friend. Maybe write a letter. I, yeah, I write more letters at the moment. But it, people go that. Yeah, you I write just, letters at the moment. Yeah, I do. I write thank you letters. I didn't do it for a while, but now I write thank you That's letters. Really sweet. Yeah, all the time. I, I I saw this. I think yeah, letters. If when someone receives a letter, it's like a banging thing. It is. It's, it's, it's almost unheard of. It's almost unheard of. So yeah. Jamie Lang, you're a legend. Love you loads. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you very much. No, mate, we'll have you on again for sure, and you can take my private parts if you want. Oh, dude, I would love that. Let's fucking do it. Let's do this, man. <laughs> hey, don't appreciate it, man. Love. Thanks very much. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Powered by Spirit Studios.